called it, What About Tim? What About Tim? Now, you guys know um, him, and I know him, as Timothy. He is a young man who has an incredible ministry. He's highly gifted. Uh, Paul kind of finds him along the way, which we'll discover today, and really pours some time and energy into Timothy. He mentors him. And Timothy just blossoms into this incredible servant, incredible leader. And so over the next five weekends, through the month of March, uh, we are going to walk you through characteristics that we find in Timothy. It's kind of under the umbrella of the word excellence. Because one of the things that you see in Timothy's life, everything he did, he did it all the way. He passed the test of, of standing up under temptation, even the big three, money, sex, and power. Some of the locations he was in, some of the issues he had to face, we'll be talking about that through the series. So every week we're going to say, okay, this weekend we're going to look at the trait, like for instance, today we're talking about Timothy, excellence, because that's the umbrella, in serving. What it means to have excellence in our heart, our attitude, and the way in which we serve God. So I hope that you'll be here. Because it's sometimes easy to live a mediocre life. Sometimes it's easy to just plod along and do the minimum and do what you're supposed to do. And, and, and we can end up doing that and never really making a difference with our life. So I'm going to challenge you. And we're going to challenge you and call you forward to say, come on, let's be everything God wants us to be in our lives as we pursue excellence. We have a peak at Timberline, the five peaks of Timberline, part of our logo, one of them is love releases. Pastor Daryl Haley oversees that peak. And the heart for this year, we've set a thematic goal for Timberline that is this, to create an empowering culture of ministry. We believe our job as leaders is to create an empowering culture here at Timberline for you to do the ministry God has asked you to do. Our role is to equip you to do it. So you're going to be hearing about that over this whole year. We, I love what Pastor Daryl says. He says, we, it's a place where your passion meets God's purpose. That's where you should be serving, where your passion meets God's purpose. And so as we go through this today, keep that in mind. Now, let's talk about Timothy and let's catch a first glimpse with what Paul says about him in a letter that he's writing to the church in Philippi. This will kind of introduce you to Timothy. Paul says this to the church in Philippi in Philippians 2.19. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But now, but you know how Timothy has proved himself. And then Paul, look at, look at the language here. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. Now, I've studied Paul's life multiple times, and one of the things you've you got to know right away is Paul is not a mushy, gushy guy. Paul is kind of a strict disciplinarian. He calls it like it is. So when I see this, when I see Paul stepping back and pinning this letter to Philippi, and he says, you know, Timothy, when I think of Timothy, it's, it's like a son with a dad. 
And, and we've been partnering in ministry together. I think Paul smiles and he has this reflection of who Timothy has become and his purpose and his work and how he strives for excellence and he wants to do things well. So keep that in mind as a backdrop for kind of this theme of excellence in Timothy's life. Now if you have a bulletin, go to the back page. I want you to write a few things down. Now notice I only have four blanks today. I've been working on that because they said I need not to have so many. And so, so I'm trying. But I will warn you, keep a little section over in the margin or something, because I have five things I want to tell you later that are not on there. Okay? So, but we'll make it quick and they're short. Okay? I just have to. Number one, serving means that I will become a servant, not a spectator. Serving is different than spectating. When you get in there and make it happen, we know Matthew twenty three eleven. Jesus said it well when He said, The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So what's the difference between a servant and someone who's a spectator? Let me throw out a question that I'd love for you to think about for a few days. What is a spectator Christian? Have you ever been one? Because I, I, I meet them quite often. It's people who basically watch and say, you should do this way. No, you should have this. No, I don't know why we're not doing that. Please make this happen. It's, it's sitting back and, and judging based on their ideals and their preferences, spectating. Servants get in the middle of it and enjoy what God is doing. Now let me read to you what I think is just one of the greatest marks on Timothy's life. It's an amazing story, what I'm about to read. Now, take this in. It's in Acts, which Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote it following Paul around mostly, just the happenings. If you're not familiar with the Bible, let me just say it like this. Acts is kind of the hinge between the Gospels, the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then there's the Acts. The reason it's called Acts is the actions It's the actions of the early church. And it basically records where all the churches were planted, who went where. And then after Acts is all the epistles and the letters that were written by different people to those churches. So you have to understand that there's a lot in the book of Acts that later is mentioned in all these other passages. So let's pick it up at Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul went first to Derbe and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek, much like Titus. We talked about him. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra as well as in Iconium. So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Luke's saying that because that means he wouldn't have been circumcised as a child. Then they went from town to town instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened their faith, uh, in their faith and they grew larger every day. Now, as I read the rest of those words and Luke's going off about the churches are growing, everything's happy, I'm stuck back here at this other thing called circumcision. If I'm Timothy, I don't want Luke to just say, Timothy's circumcised and the church was doing great. Everybody was happy. Life moved on. This is amazing. This is worth stopping and taking 
a real look at because what was that like? What, what was that conversation like with Paul? Timothy, you know, we need to talk. Um, now, obviously, Timothy knew the custom. He knew all about circumcision. He wasn't because his dad was Greek. Why would he be circumcised as an adult? Was this something that would guarantee he would get into heaven? Was this a salvation issue? Go like this. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. I know it was because of the covenant. Clear back to Abraham. There's, there's a whole lineage here. Circumcision was a sign. It meant a lot different. It meant something a lot different then than it does now in our culture. But the bottom line is, Timothy was as much saved without being circumcised and willing to serve God and could be used by God without this. But Paul knew that their ministry would be to the Jewish people. And he knew that if Timothy wasn't circumcised, Timothy would be a stumbling block for them and that the Jewish people weren't ready to deal with that yet on top of everything else about Jesus being the Messiah. So Paul says, Timothy, I think we need to have you circumcised. Now, I don't know about you, but that is like a big jump of going from spectator to participant, right? So what happens in our lives when we are asked to do something we really don't have to do? What is your attitude? What is your spirit when when someone needs something done? How are you when you simply are aware that you are becoming a stumbling block to someone else? Will you take care of that? See, if I were to Timothy, I would have been saying, look, this whole thing about circumcision, that's not the truth. Jesus came, He fulfilled the law. Let's tell Him the truth. But Timothy sacrificed. Timothy suffered. Timothy endured. Timothy served. Timothy said, I will do what I need to do so that I might not be a hindrance in building the kingdom of God. What a witness for you and me. I can't believe this. It's just phenomenal. What a young man who has heart to make a difference. Number two, serving is a decision of the will. You know, when you decide to serve, it's not an accident. Now, now we're big at Timberline on saying serve here at Timberline, serve in the community, serve on your job, serve in your neighborhood. It's not all about what we need you to do here at Timberline, okay? We thank God for people who minister here and teach here, usher and serve and all of that. But the bottom line is we want to have a spirit of service in our community. It's something that's deeper than just doing a job, but it's a decision of your will. Look at 1 Timothy 1.18. Paul writes this letter and he says, Timothy, notice again, my son, it's endearing. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you. Based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier, may they help you. And then there are three things that I'm going to just highlight for a second. If you underline in your Bible, you might want to underline these. Fight well in the Lord's battles. That's really important. And then look at verse 19. Cling to your faith in Christ. That is a powerful command that Paul's giving Timothy. And then this last one, keep your conscience clear. How do we do that? Because look at the next sentence. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked, which means destroyed, blown up. These are, these are big things. Let me just break them down. Fight in the Lord's battles. I would like to propose that what Paul really meant when he said that to Timothy is he was saying, Timothy, 
Don't give up in fighting this fight for morality and hope and heart. Put your passion toward believing some things are worth fighting for. And and I I just want to say to us today as believers, if you're a believer, as we walk with God to say, we're in a culture, we're in a generation, we're seeing a lot of challenges morally, we're seeing issues that we've never seen before. Everyone's getting pressed. And, and we're not to go get machine guns and shoot people. What we are called to do is to pray and spiritually put on the armor of God and fight this battle. But we give ourselves to it. We give energy to it. We don't step away and become apathetic toward it. Oh, well, that's just the world. No, we engage at the levels we have favor. We engage at the levels that God opens up those doors for us. And we say, I'm not going to stop fighting well in the Lord's battles. Not my battles. Not the battles I'm creating, but the Lord's battles. Then he says, cling to your faith in Christ. I started just saying this over and over as I was just studying through this. Cling to your faith in Christ. What does that mean? It's like God gave me a little moment. I got a box that I was waiting for with a little thing in it that... I had ordered, and it was wrapped. When I pulled it out, it had all these little styrofoam packing beads. Have you seen these, the tiny ones? And I pulled it out, and they're like moving all around, going. It was kind of popping. It was real staticky. And so I set the item down that I had ordered, and these, these little styrofoam pieces were all over me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you had that happen? And, and you're sitting there, it's awful. And you're, you're going like this, and they just stay. It's like something growing on you. And you even when you pull it off like this, and it's like stuck on this hand. So you can't really get rid of it. And I thought of this. Cling. Cling to your faith in Christ. That's this. To, to join yourself to. To somehow say, I don't care if I lose everything else. I am clinging to. I am holding on to my faith in Christ. When all else fails, that won't. I'm not going to give up on that. Timothy, cling to your faith in Christ and then keep your conscience clear. We would assume that we know what that means. When I read that, I thought, well, I I believe I have a clear conscience. I believe I want to have a clear conscience. And what does that mean? I'm not without mistakes and failure. It's my conscience that sometimes when I feel guilty, I should feel guilty and you pray and you ask forgiveness and you move on and you have a clear conscience again and, and all of that. But then Paul says something else. He says, some people have deliberately violated their conscience. What is that? So I started looking all this up. and just that, that word deliberately violated is a little Greek word called apotheo. It's only used two other times in the whole New Testament. And it means to completely sever, to move away from. It's the image is like someone pushing a boat away from the dock with no ropes tied to it and it's free to drift off. How do I deliberately violate or separate myself from my conscience? What happens that? What's going on? Let me tell you how that happens. It's when the Spirit of God who lives in you prompts you and you know You shouldn't do a certain thing, but you do it anyway. That is a process that begins the hardening of your heart and the ripping, the deliberate violation of your conscience. 
And so you, you remove slowly, one step at a time. You know, I, can't, I shouldn't do this. You guys, I, here's, here's the stories I hear often. Well, Pastor, I know I probably shouldn't have been there in the first place, but what happened was, I, and I say, whoa, 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 whoa. Say that again. I probably shouldn't have been there. Okay, say that again. Where did that, where did that start? Young people, hear me. Listen carefully. That's the moment of discernment. It's not after you're already there and it's over. It's the place of the decision. That's how we violate our conscience is when we go against them. So we, we hold God's hand like this and we say, man, I love you, God. You're awesome. Thank you, God. I love you, God. And the world is over here drawing us, pulling us. And we're tempted. And we're all tempted. But what happens is we begin to move this direction and our conscience says, no, the Spirit's trying to get our attention. He's trying to say, hey! <laughs> Hello! And we're saying, I love you, God. And all of a sudden, there's a breaking, there's sin, there's consequences, and we're left over here in a new sphere. We didn't think we were here. We, we believed we were there. How did I end up here? How did, how did this addiction take over my life? How did, I, how did this happen? I say this because I love you. I say this because I want us as people of God. When the Holy Spirit prompts you, obey Him. Avoid the things that are going to get you in trouble. Pay attention to your conscience. Keep your conscience clear. Whew. Number three, aren't you glad we're done with that point? Whew. Number three, serving comes from meaningful purpose and sacrifice. Serving comes from meaningful purpose and sacrifice. Now, what I mean by this is that I am... Personally, I am motivated more to sacrifice and serve if I believe in the purpose of what I'm doing. Does that make sense to you? You know, if, if you say, I really believe in this, you're going to roll up your sleeves, get in there, give extra time, give extra hours. You'll make it happen because you believe in what you're doing. It's hard to do that if you don't really believe in the cause. So, so we as the people of God are called to believe in the purposes of God so that we will give ourselves wholeheartedly to them. If you don't believe that at a high level, you will not engage at a high level. You will engage at the level of your belief. That's why it matters what we believe. It matters what we think about, what we give our minds to and hearts to. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Let's look at it. He says to Timothy, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas or old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. I love that. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life, I thought that was interesting after last week, we talked about rewards here or just in eternity, but promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. He's, he's saying we, we give ourselves to this. We believe in this mission. For our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Then Paul says what I think is kind of the trump card for Timothy in this moment. Verse 12. 
Timothy, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Why do you say that? Let's finish reading it. Be an example to all believers in what you say. Now, here's the five things that I'm going to have you write down if you, if you want to. They're really simple, and I'll repeat them after I read this. But number one is, be an example in what you say. Number two is, be an example in the way you live. Number three, be an example in your love. Number four, be an example in your faith. And number five, be an example in your purity. Verse 13, until I get there, focus on reading the Scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Okay, let's talk about these five things for just a second. The first one is being an example in what you say. Your words matter to God. We are judged by every word that comes out of our mouth. Now, you guys, there's a time to dump. I mean, there's a time to just say, there's a time to put someone in your life who you can say anything to and they help you work through it. But be careful who you say things to. It matters. And, and to our young people, I just want to say, teenagers, young adults, young married couples, Timothy's fear, I believe, with all of my heart, was that he was in over his head and he was trying to lead people that were more mature than he was. They had more life experience than he did. Who am I to say anything to them that's meaningful? And so Paul's saying, hey, don't let your youth discourage you. Do these five things and they will listen to what you say. You want to have influence with your life? I'll tell you how. Do these five things. Be an example of these by what you say. Number two, by, by the way you live. Um, this means my lifestyle. That word talks about lifestyle. It says, examine me, look at every aspect of my life, and I'm an open book. Be an example in your love. This is agape love. This is the kind of love Jesus had. This is the love that says, be an example in loving those whether they love you back or not. Now that's tough. Uh, that's really tough for all of us. And number four, in your faith. I love this word because this being an example in your faith means that you have confidence in God even when others are wavering. See, Paul's looking at Timothy and he's saying, there are people, yeah, they have more life experience than you. They have more knowledge than you. But let me tell you something. It's possible for you to have such a level of faith that you will not waver in the things you believe in. And that's going to get the attention of those folks who have more life experience than you. And the last one is in your purity. Your purity matters to God, whether you're single or married or old or young. Especially to our young people in this room, I just say, lead the way. You know, if, if, as Timothy lived out these five things, he has made such a mark with his life that we're talking about him 2,000 years after he died. Wow. You want to leave a mark? Do these five things that Paul asked Timothy to do. Last thing, serve from your strengths and giftedness. Serve from your strengths and your giftedness. 1 Timothy 4.14 Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself, listen to Paul's language, throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. 
Stay true to what is right for the task, for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Now, in my imagery of this, again, Timothy's leading this church. He's overwhelmed. He's, he's kind of having some issues. And Paul is saying, Timothy, sit down for a second. We need to have a meeting. And Paul tries to take Timothy back to a moment in time. And this is good for all of us. So listen to what I'm explaining about what Paul did here. He says, Remember that time when the elders of the church gathered around you and they laid hands on you. This was a real moment. So, so Timothy is seeing that room. He's smelling the smells. He's, he's, he's remembering who it was who touched him. This was a huge moment in Timothy's life. It may have been where he was actually called into ministry. It was like one of those experiences. I have several in my life from a youth camp when I believe God put His hand on my life and called me to full-time ministry. I have times with my family. I have times with Bonnie. I have other times when it's like big day moments where the revelation of God comes over me. Paul is saying, that day, Timothy, remember what that was like? Because I believe in that moment, Timothy probably wept. And what happened is as the elders, the overseers of the church, laid hands on him, they began to pray for him. And someone, through the gift of the Spirit, through a prophetic word came, which is just a, a, a statement of the Holy Spirit puts something of truth in someone's mind. And as they laid hands on him, they said, Timothy, I believe God is saying something like this that I'm supposed to tell you. You have gifts in these areas. And they listed those out. Now, we don't know exactly what it was. It's referred to several times about Timothy. But I believe Timothy let that moment be a, a confirmation moment of that place God had prepared him. And that's why I think he was sensitive to it. It was a big moment. And I think Paul is doing that because all of us, we can look back at that day you accepted Christ. Look back at that moment when God put His hand on your life. Look back at that moment when you knew you were born for a purpose. There was something bigger in you than what's happening now. Life has taken life out of you. Life has caused you to feel exhausted and tired and weary. And Timothy's sitting there going, I can't do this job. And Paul says, remember this God who put gifts in you. Remember this God who believes in you. Remember this God who's invested in you. Remember this God who has called you. Timothy, that God has not changed. There is a mantle on your life. Remember it. Breathe it in. Do the gifts. Be excited about the work of God. Let God challenge you. And I believe Timothy had a moment after reading this when he says, You're right. I need to remember that. For some of you right now, you just need to remember that God, God is still believing in you. God still has a mantle for you. He wants you to utilize those gifts in your fullest purpose. He wants you to reach your greatest potential. And He believes in you more than anyone else and He knows you best. It's miraculous. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Paul and Timothy. Thank You for this moment when... Paul so beautifully said, Timothy, think back to that day they laid hands on you. Think back to that high call in your life. I, I've been doing this all weekend. Honest, I didn't know that I would do it in every service. I'm not sure I have, but I am in this one. The word overwhelmed is a word that just came last night to me at this moment. 
I hadn't planned on this at all, but I want us to pray specifically for people who that word describes where you're at. It doesn't mean you're away from God at all. You might be closer to God than you've ever been. But you're just overwhelmed. It could be relationally, emotionally, financially. It's just you're living overwhelmed. And and as you stand, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to just pray that God will remind you of those gifts He's put in you. And that's all. Then you're going to sit back down. So if you just feel overwhelmed, just stand, please, right now. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to lead us in a prayer now. Church, I want you to, to join with me and just pray for these. These, Lord, we've all been here. And just like Timothy, who was in over his head, there's a moment today when I ask you to let these people who have stood to their feet feel the laying on of hands from this fellowship. Let them feel in this moment that you are here to encourage, to strengthen to provide, to meet a need, to speak life. God, push away that feeling of being overwhelmed and bring the peace of God. Even if the circumstances don't change, I pray for your peace. I pray for your beauty to be in their face. And I pray for their mind to have rest. To have rest today. Oh God, you may be seated. Thank you. Secondly, I want to pray for those of you that would just say, I want, I want excellence to be a bigger part of my life than it's been. I just, and it's probably all of us, but if you know you don't finish tasks and, and you, you try, but you don't, you're not giving it your best, and you want excellence to mark you, let me pray over you. Lord, we ask you now that every one of us in this room will be people who strive to do excellence for you, not for our own glory, but truly give it our best. Teach us how to labor in a labor of love, of compassion and care, to to finish well, to follow through, to be on time, to pay attention to the details that sometimes we let go. Show us how to do that, Lord. And finally, Lord, lastly, I just pray that you'll remind every one of us in this room that it's you who have called us and you believe in us and that we are called to serve Help us not to be spectators another moment. But help us to get in there and do the stuff you ask us to. So teach us to be more intuitive and more sensitive to hearing your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand if you're able, please? (laughs) I like you. I do. I like hanging out with you. I love where God's taken us. Thank you for being people who honor God, who love God. You know, for a church like this, we get very few mean people. And um, there's a few of you, but not too many. It's just amazing that that you've been able to to find your way in servanthood and care and and life. And and you care about the right stuff, you guys. I'm I'm proud of that in in a holy sense. Our prayer team, if you're here, would you come? They're going to be up here. If someone you just need to pray with someone, do that. And don't be afraid to come up here. Um, but I just now want to lead us in a final prayer. As we walk out of here, we're walking into a place that needs us. They need hope and light. Amen? Let's be that. Lord, help us to be a young Timothy. Help us to be passionate about purity. 
Help us, God, to give ourselves to loving unconditionally and believing in things that no one else can see. Thank you for the challenge today from your word, God. Excellence in serving. May we model it and live it because we choose it. Because your nature is that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Thanks for being at Timberline this weekend.